Again, I just want to say uh, how glad we are that all of you are here with us tonight. We hope that you sense the love of Christ, the warmth of Christ, as you are here with us. Tonight is the most wondrous and the most magical of all nights. Because we, along with millions of people around the world, celebrate the miracle of miracles. God be taking on flesh, the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, this morning I was down at the Safeway on Broadway looking for a birthday card for my wife. My poor wife, her birthday lands on Christmas Eve. And she's been married to a pastor for 35 years. As she says, it's always tough to compete with Jesus. Anyway, my point here is the magazines are on the same aisle as the greeting cards. So as I was walking by, I noticed just how many covers had the picture of Jesus on the front. That's quite something. Isn't it? When you really think about it. This man who was born to a carpenter father and a peasant mother, really just a teenager, in a small, dusty village in one of the really least important countries of the world at that time, who never traveled more than a couple hundred miles from his home, whose followers were, were ordinary fishermen and tax collectors, and ex-prostitutes, and who died a criminal's death, has been the most dominant figure in Western culture for the last 20 centuries. Really remarkable, isn't it? That Jesus today is still such a big deal that his teaching is still so impactful. You know, it begs the question, I think each of us should answer this question sometime in our life. Why? Why does this man continue to have influence century after century after century? Well, I believe Jesus endures and is still relevant in this increasingly secular world of ours because of the life that he has given and continues to give to ordinary people around the globe. You heard about this life when I read the passage from John chapter 1. God is a generous God. Boy, if you don't hear anything else tonight, hear that. God is generous and wants to give us so much. You know, for these weeks of Advent here at our church, if you haven't been here, we have been preaching through a ser series of sermons we've entitled The Gifts That Jesus Came to Give Us. And each week we looked at, at a different gift that, that Jesus 
came to give to us. That God wants us to have so much that he sent his son to communicate. We looked at this gift of peace and joy and rest in love. And as we've gone through this series, I think we've seen that each of these these gifts really satisfy some of the deepest yearnings of every human heart. And that brings us to tonight, and perhaps the one gift that, that kind of brings all these gifts together. And that is the gift of abundant life. Jesus was so clear about his desire for us to receive this gift. Later on in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 10, verse 10, he said this, I have come, here's his mission statement, I have come that you might have life and you might have it abundantly, fully, overflowing. And with this gift, I think God taps into perhaps our deepest desire. Don't you think? Because we all want life. We all want to live an abundant life, a rich life, a full life. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. This abundant life that Jesus came to give us. So let's pray and ask God to speak to us. God, I pray that you would speak to us tonight through your Holy Spirit that we may hear the word of life, that you will get our attention. And that we may begin to see all that you have for us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I remember a number of years ago when my son was very young, probably like six or seven years old, I told him to do something that he didn't want to do. And if you know my, knew my son, you wouldn't be surprised by his response. I have no freedom. My whole life is under your and mom's control. I cannot wait till I get out of here. So I will really begin to start living. <laughs> Even at six or seven, he understood there's living, and then there's really living. Something more than just existing, right? Something more even than the accumulation of material possessions and wealth. Something beyond being busy and bouncing from one hobby to another, or looking forward to the next great vacation or trip. Life beyond success and accomplishment and accolades. Something even beyond the love of human relationships and family. As great as those things are, we may have all those things and still feel an ache in our heart in certain moments, wanting more. 
I went to a seminary in, uh, at Princeton, theological seminary in New Jersey, and the president at that time was Dr. Tom Gillespie, a great man. And prior to being the president at Princeton, he was the pastor at First Presbyterian Church of Burlingame, just across the bay. And so my senior year came, and in the spring of senior year in seminary, everybody's looking for a call. It's really a job, but we call it, well, it is a call. And I was fortunate to be called to First Presbyterian Church of Burlingame. Now, Dr. Gillespie had a little to do with that, and he knew that I took this call, so he called me into his office, asked me to meet him in his office. I had never been in his office before. I think I went through about four or five secretaries, assistants, and then got into this beautiful, spacious office. And he said, Steve, congratulations on this call. Burlingame, Hillsboro, very interesting place, very challenging place to be a pastor. And he said, this is why. People in that little corner of the world think that they have arrived and they live at the end of the rainbow. For the most part, they have everything they could want and more. And so it's challenging to be a pastor because they can be somewhat self-satisfied. Tough as a pastor to help them see their need for God sometimes. But, he said, it's a great opportunity because they have everything the world tells you is going to give you life. And yet, often in their quiet moments, they have this gnawing sense that something is missing. Now, your job after three years of seminary, will be to creatively and winsomely help them to realize that what they are missing is what they've been created for. Life with God. He said that ache can become even more poignant when supposedly you have everything that the world has to offer, and yet you know something is missing. Friends, we all want it, don't we? Have you ever felt that? We all want life. And something beyond existence, something beyond success, abundant life like Jesus spoke of, a life full of things like joy and peace and hope and love. This is what Jesus Christ came to give us. You wonder what we are so excited about on Christmas Eve. This is it. New life. Now, sometimes there seems to be a little confusion about what this life actually is. Most people think that when Jesus talks about eternal life, he was talking about life after death. In fact, Many people that think that to be a Christian is to live a miserable, terrible, boring life here on earth, but your reward is a great life after you die. 
Not really what Jesus meant. He came to give us abundant life right now, beginning here on earth. Let me geek out a little bit on the Greek language and stuff. (laughs) Somebody's having a good time back there. You know, many of you know that the New Testament was originally written in Greek, and sometimes we lose meaning when we translate from Greek to English. And such is the case here, because this word for life that Jesus uses, abundant life, is the life is the word that we often see in the New Testament when it talks about life. But in the Greek, there are two words, primary words for life. There's bios and there's zoe. Bios is this physical life. We all have bios. My golden retriever has bios. A plant has bios. It's physical, and it has a beginning and an end. It has a duration. The word that Jesus uses here for life is the Greek word zoe, which means the uncreated life of God. Life beyond physical life. It's the life that John spoke of in that first chapter. Most of the time in the New Testament, this is the word. And it's so rich in meaning. It's eternal life. It, it never ends. It's the uncreated life of God. It's the same Jesus, the same word Jesus uses in this verse. So in essence, we all have bios. We all have physical life. Jesus wants to give us something beyond that. Now notice, I'm not talking about religion here. I'm talking about relationship. Zoe is life with God. It's walking with God. It's not knowing about God like a subject. It's it's knowing God in a personal way. I'm talking about walking with God every day, being connected with him gaining strength from him during the tough times, giving power, giving power to live beyond ourselves, to have joy that's not dependent on circumstances, and peace even in the darkest times of life. And when you grow in this relationship, you grow in all those things. This is the life we yearn for. This is the life we're created for. Peter Gomes was the dean of the chapel at Harvard for many years, saw generation after generation of of students come through Harvard, counseled many of them. And he writes that life, Zoe, begins when God gets our attention. In other words, we really begin living, Gomes says, when we begin to hear God and what God has to say about where life is really found. And he says there's many ways God gets our attention. Sometimes God's way of giving our attention are sudden and dramatic, a brilliant moment of insight, one of those light bulb moments when the light comes on and aha, we say, I understand. An inbreaking of peace or serenity, an inbreaking of understanding. We're in a moment of revelation. We see things as they are in ourselves fully and clearly as we are. Such moments are to be treasured. 
And such moments are hard to anticipate, to evoke, or invoke. They're hard to define. They are hard to defend, really. But we know them when we have them. And we all have them from time to time. God uses moments like that to get our attention. God sometimes uses tragedy, pain, to get our attention. C.S. Lewis once said that pain is the megaphone of God. Sometimes God uses other people to get our attention. We see in a friend, a coworker, a loved one, this abundant life, and, and we want it. That was my situation. Sometimes God gets our attention at a Christmas Eve service. Sometimes God gets our attention when we attend that service only because our, how should I say this, our wife gently persuaded us to do so. I have a friend whose life was changed because he came to a Christmas Eve service. Kirk and Vicki, who are now very dear friends of mine, uh, really had no church background. Kirk, really, none to speak of. Vicki, just a little bit. And Kirk was a very successful businessman, opened, owned his own company, worked very hard, very successful. Flew around in his jet, personal jet, all over the country. But his carefully constructed life began to show some cracks. Started drinking a little too much, especially at the country club, after golf, went through a divorce, had some other things that were just, life wasn't what he wanted it to be, and Christmas came around, and Vicki always wanted the family to attend a Christmas Eve service, so she called the Episcopalian Church down the street from the Presbyterian Church I served, and started asking questions. How long is the service? What kind of music? Is the preacher any good, or is he boring? What's the deal? Person answering the phone probably thought, oh, this is one of those consumeristic two-timers. You know what a two-timer is? That's Easter and Christmas. <laughs> I don't really want them here. So she said to Vicki, you know, you probably like the Presbyterian Church better. You should go there. <laughs> I love this story, and this is all true. So they came. Kirk said, you know, I was just doing my duty as a husband. Wasn't expecting anything but kind of a boring service sitting on hard pews. And God surprised him. Vicki said after the service, I want to go back. And she did. Christmas Sunday, the Sunday after that, Kirk went along. Vicki signed up Kirk for the men's retreat. Kirk was not happy about that. <laughs> but he went. And he saw a love among these guys that he had never seen before. And he listened to what was being said, and, and God got his attention. And honestly, changed his life. I called Kirk this last week, I said, Kirk, how would you describe the abundant life? It's not an easy thing to describe. And he thought about it. He said, you know, here's what I, I would say, a couple things. I was living life for myself. 
entirely. No real concerns about the hurts of the world. I was focused on making money, advancing my company, playing golf, and enjoying the good life. He said, what has changed in me since God got my attention? And what has changed for me in life and living this abundant life is I, I have given my life away. I'm concerned about the hurts of the world. And in, in serving, I have found great joy. Totally surprised me. One little funny side note here. Vicki, a few weeks into going to this church, signed up to sponsor a child. You know, Compassion International signed up to sponsor a child. $29 a month. Kirk thought it was a total sham. But, you know, 29 bucks a month, not too bad. Ends up, 15 years later, working for Compassion International. Taking pastors to trips in the slums of Manila to try and help them get motivated to get their churches to, con to adopt these kids and sponsor them. The other thing he said, you know, I found rest. My whole life, I was running and running and running, looking over my shoulder to beat the person behind me, and I don't even know who they were, but that's how I was living life. I was exhausted. And I found rest. Knowing that I'm loved, not because of my accomplishments and my money and all the rest, just because I'm a child of God. That's the abundant life. God wants you to experience it. God wants all of us to experience. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Abundant. Amen. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you are a good, generous God who wants to give us life, a life maybe not full in terms of material things and money or all the rest, but a life full in the things that really count, joy and peace and love, rest, presence, serving others, making a difference. A life that goes beyond existence and even success of knowing you, the God of the universe. Lord, may this Christmas, this Christmas Eve, not pass with us, not thinking about you and what you have come to give us. Lord, may we celebrate this great day of the birth of your Son. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Amen.